Welcome to Help Me to Understand, a podcast for those eager to learn more about issues of social justice, political activism, giving back, and how to make the world just a little bit better for all of us. I'm going a little outside the lines in my interview with my guest today, Bill Broadbent. Bill is an expert in entomophagy and an entrepreneur in the fast-growing edible insect industry. Yup, edible insects. I'm looking to Bill to help us understand why edible insects are becoming a serious food source in the world. Trust me, there's a connection to making the world a better place here. But even if you don't believe me, after you hear from Bill, you may end up more receptive to the idea of a snack of fried beetles or crushed ants as a tasty ice cream topping. Bill, along with his sister Susan, established their company, Entosense, in 2015, inspired primarily by the work of Bill's then 13-year-old son, Sam. We'll be learning a lot more about Entosense, the how and the why of it, as our conversation unfolds. But just for starters, Entosense's mission is to make edible insects part of the daily diet of North America. Remember, people used to laugh at flight, moon landings, and electric cars. Bill is either out there or a true pioneer. How and why more people should eat insects fascinates me. I hope will pique your interest, if not your appetite. Here's my conversation with Bill. Bon appétit. So Bill, I know that the whole idea of eating bugs for Westerners, I think, seems like, a, oh, wow, this is a new idea. This is, Let's look into this. But I know of the people have been eating bugs for thousands of years, hundreds of thousands, I mean, as long as there have been human beings. Have they some been eating bugs? And if so, how long and who are they? Well, actually, the whole world eats bugs except for us. It's uh, United States, Canada. Down in Mexico, there's about 200 different bugs. They, right now, there's uh, a resurgence. It's, it's becoming a trend. Some of the high-end restaurants in Mexico City are starting to, to renew the, the traditional foods, pre-Hispanic mm-hmm. foods. But also, you know, Europe, Australia, New Zealand. That's about it. I mean, people say, I think in one of your questions, you know, where do they or, or what are the countries that eat bugs? Well, the big thing mm-hmm. is, what are the countries that don't? Because all through Asia, all through South and Central America and, and you know, all over Africa, we just got Mopani worms from um, a woman that just started a business called Mopani Queens. And she's from South Africa. And, you know, it's it's. Uh, it's great. And it's also something I've really enjoyed because I've met a lot of great people all over the world. Oh, I, I imagine you have. I think many of us have probably seen the episode where Anthony Bourdain you know, eats the bug and it's such a big, everybody remembers that with horror in some respect. Yeah. Even he didn't look like he was all that gung-ho about it. But so before we get into all the health and economic benefits, which I gather are quite many, why are we having this discussion now? What has changed in the landscape that now North America, the other countries you mentioned, are having this renaissance in, in bug eating? It basically started in 2013, late 2013, 2014, when the UN's FAO came out with a report. And they were talking about the destruction created from current animal agriculture you know, deforestation, uh, the pollution that's created from, you know, chicken farms, pig farms, the beef and that sort of thing. 
And they were saying that edible insects is one of the answers. And mm-hmm. from that, a number of companies started, including ours. And most of us are still going. There's a few that started in art, but you know, it's, it's grown since. I know there's a company called Aspire who has a 20,000 square foot cricket farm they're building in Toronto. They have another one mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas. You know, there's a 60,000 square foot cricket farm also outside of uh, Toronto. Canada's ahead of us. Europe's ahead of us. Australia and the United States are, are just kind of catching on. But uh, Australia also has a little bit more of it in the traditional sense, because um, one of the reasons we don't eat bugs is because we have a European heritage. Being in the northern part of Europe, there's not as many big bugs as there are in Africa, Asia, Australia. Uh huh. The juicy, tasty ones. We don't have a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think I certainly thought that eating bugs was either something that your culture did for a long time, or it was a little sort of slightly out there for people who were going to think of the word, but kind of counterculture types. And what you're saying, if the UN had looked into this and sort of gave it its blessing. That's much different than just a few little entrepreneurs throwing bugs and selling them to eat. That gives it a whole different perspective. Yeah. And and since 2013, you know, the nine years since then, a lot of things have happened. There's also been a number of grants that that have been handed out. And there's some pretty big studies going on. One of the reasons for the popularity is, and you said we'll get into this in a little bit, so I won't get too deep into it, but they're like nutritional powerhouses. And- You know, we, we joke that it should be another level on the food pyramid because there's a lot of um, a lot of vitamins like B12 and omega-3 that we have a harder time getting. And especially, believe it or not, we have a lot of vegetarians. We have a lot of bodybuilders, not that many vegans because they don't want to eat anything that's a sentient being. But for vegetarians, it's hard to get B12. And, you know, most of the insects we eat are packed with them. Uh, same with omega-3. We have too much omega-6. It should be balanced, but it's not. That's one of the reasons salmon's so good is it's a balanced omega-3 to omega-6. And so are insects. And, in, in, you know, insects have more. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. So bugs are not for a vegetarian, not a vegan, but a vegetarian. I mean, there are different levels of vegetarianism, obviously, but for most vegetarians, bugs are not considered meat or a well, it's yeah, interesting because kind of they are a real animal, so it's real animal protein, all the essential amino acids. My, my son calls himself an ento-vegan, and that's okay. because he follows a vegan diet, but he also eats insects. And one of the main reasons he became a vegan was when we did live in New Mexico and, and came here and everything, we saw some of it. You know, we drive miles and miles and miles through cattle. I forgot mm-hmm. we follow it when they bring them all in, but, you uh-huh. know, and... and there was a huge turkey farm that wasn't far from us. And if the wind was wrong, you could smell it. Uh-huh. So he was aware of the way animals are raised. So because of the humanity, mm-hmm. he wanted to become a vegan. And then when all this happened, he became an into vegan. Okay. And part of that is because the insects are raised humanely. Crickets love to, love to live in a very closed space. They love to be, you know, community in communities. Mm-hmm. They can be raised, you know, in your house. They can be raised in an old warehouse vertically instead of mm-hmm. horizontally taking up a lot of land. So that's one of the reasons the um, weightlifters are because it's a very bioavailable protein. So if they want to get, you know, a, a real protein kick, it's easy mm-hmm. to throw some 
cricket powder into your shakes. Well, I want to talk to you about that a little bit later as to all the different ways we could eat. But yeah, I, there have been so many uh, recent documentaries on the raising and slaughtering of, of chickens yeah. and beef. You almost can't have, you know, lived or have Netflix or um, Prime Video without having had those videos come up so you could, could watch them. And it is scary. And, you do, you know, if you feel really bad about, about how those animals are raised. It's so bad that they've made it illegal to fly drones over farms. No kidding. It would turn a lot of people off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So before we talked about, I mean, you did kind of allude to the environmental, although we could talk about, about that. It sounds like you said the uh, UN report came out of really sort of environmental studies about this humane or inhumane feeding and uh, raising of animals. What are the environmental? then benefit, would you say? Well, as we know, you know, between the cattle and, and palm oil and that sort of thing, there's a lot of deforestation going on. And beef is one of the main reasons for deforestation. The other problem is, you know, with these big farms, the amount of waste that's put into our environment, that sort of thing. And most insects that are raised have this kind of like a beautiful cycle in a sense. First of all, they can mm-hmm. be raised on any kind of organic waste. Um, including, mm. you know, waste from restaurants. And if we're going to eat them, then there's very specific things we have to do. But there's also the feed side where you can raise the insects for feed. And with that, we can use restaurant waste and we can use grocery store waste. Brewer's waste is a big one. And the insects will, will eat that. They live, like I said, in compact areas. So you're raising a lot. They live their whole life. So, you know, they're whatever you want to call it. And there's almost no waste. And the waste that there is is called frass, which is insect poop. And that's actually a fertilizer. You know, it's a high nitrogen fertilizer. So every bit of the insect is used. Every step of the way is environmentally better. I mean, you know, anytime you're taking up space, it has something to do with it. But there just is not a lot of impact for raising insects. And as I mentioned, it can be done on a small scale. People can use their dinner leftovers to raise you know, crickets and insects and that sort of thing, all the way up to some of these big, huge, uh, Aspire, actually, it's a totally automated farm. They have robots that go around and feed the insects. And they use almost no water. I mean, you've heard it's Mm -hmm. like 1,500 to 2,000 pounds per uh, or gallons of water per pound of beef. Well, most of the water they get is from their food. And Mm -hmm. they do give them some water just because, but it's minute amount. Mm-hmm. And then I guess also from animals, a lot of the other, you know, the waste, the water, so the chicken poop, there's all the gas, right? The methane gas right. that affects global warming. So, well, I'm starting to, to be converted, certainly on the environmental and health reasons. I will have to get to the, you know, how you eat them part. So you talk about Aspire. That's a company that's doing this different kind of how else and who else uh, are raising them is yeah are raising them because you talked about people could sort of do it themselves with their own waste if they're not composting or something yeah so so this is kind of a trend too it's starting to take off and that is to to grow them yourself because it is pretty easy you can basically go to lowe's or home depot and pick up one of those big bins and you can raise crickets in in those bins Mm -hmm. There's also a big thing right now with black soldier fly larvae, which is towards the feed side of things. 
But black soldier fly larvae will eat twice their weight every single day and almost any kind of food waste you put in there. So there's a lot of chicken farmers, not, not even just commercial, but yes, commercial too, but backyard mm-hmm. chicken farmers, they'll build a bin, throw their leftovers into that bin, the black soldier flies, which are native to most of the United States, only the very northern areas. And we're actually right on the border of where mm-hmm. they naturally grow. But mm-hmm. um, they'll cycle. They'll go right through their entire cycle. You don't have to do anything except for throw your food in that bin. And when the larva decides to get to the point where it's going to pupate, it leaves mm-hmm. the colony. And so they put it, just put a ramp in that bin and the larva will crawl up that ramp and fall down into a dish. And that's where the chickens get their food. <laughs> so it's a free source of food. It's a higher protein food. It's a natural food, you know, no additives. It's true. Other, one of the other things about all insects, you know, food and feed, no mm-hmm. artificial hormones, no pesticides, you know, none of that. It's all natural. 100%. Wow. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm becoming a little bit more converted the more we talk about it. Well, keep, keep, in, mind, keep, keep <laughs> in mind, the hard, hardest bug to eat is your first one. <laughs> I bet, you know, that's probably, oh, yeah, I, okay, we'll I, talk about that later. So the bugs that you, that, that you were to grow, if you were going to grow bugs yourself or buy bugs from different, and we could talk about, I think, who sells those to regular people, are they different than the bugs I would just pick off the tree or wandering around on the driveway? And if so, how are they? And why can't I use those if I can't? Yeah, generally, most of the bugs that we raise are tropical, other than the black soldier fly. So you won't find the same bugs as you will around here. But of course, we do have crickets and they are edible. And even roly-polies are edible. Earthworms are edible. Grasshoppers, katydids, you know, there are some that are not, like ladybugs and a few others. But the thing you have to watch out for if you're going to wild harvest them is if you're anywhere near houses that spray pesticides or you're near farms that spray pesticides. So you really have to get, they suggest five miles away from anywhere that sprays pesticides, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's getting harder and harder to find spaces like that. So it is difficult to catch them wild and and have them be safe, but they are still edible. Mm -hmm. So when you see your toddler eat them, you don't have to be too scared. Right, right. And most of the bugs, not all of them, but most of the bugs that are poisonous aren't deadly poisonous. I mean, you know, we eat tarantulas, we eat scorpions. About an hour after they're they're killed or harvested, the poison goes inert. So it's okay. We eat the scorpion stinger and all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you had a, sorry again, go ahead. I was was just going to say like the ladybug, if you ate one, it's not going to get you sick. It'll Mm -hmm. only get you sick if you ate a lot, but they taste terrible. Okay. Well, that's nature's way, right, of protecting us. Yeah. 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 Which is apparently we should have been eating bugs all along. So I know people who harvest wild mushrooms, they probably have a book that says, don't touch this one, eat that one, that one's tasty. Is there a bug book that would tell you kind of what to? Yeah, there's a few out there. I'm looking at a couple right now. There's one called Eat Grubs, Bear Gillis from Australia. He has Mm -hmm. a book called Extreme Food. And it's more than just insects, but he talks about quite a bit of it. There's a book called Edible. There's also other books like Julie uh, Lesnick is a professor. I think she's in Georgia. Anyway, she has one called Edible Insects and Human Evolution. And she mm-hmm. talks about the history of what's gone on. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a great book. I mean, we got into books, but you're asking about identification. But there are books out there that identify it. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's even one for kids called bugs in my backyard. But again, you, you shouldn't eat them out of your backyard. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. Well, the pesticides. And then the safety factor would be then if you bought them from, or at least bought them from a, a known manu- grower or distributor, uh, or you, the ones you grow, you would buy the starter bugs, I guess. We started growing and we just couldn't keep up. And so we ended up buying from other places, but we have to buy from farms. And when we started, the USDA inspected us. And in fact, we're still inspected by the USDA. <laughs> we, we don't grow anymore. But um, you do have to go through all the same things as if you're raising any other animal. Mm-hmm. And every everything that we sell is raised on human farms, uh, raised on human farms, raised on farms. <laughs> so you did mention a few of the bugs that are the mealyworms and crickets and things that are, are edible. How do people typically eat them. I, I see a lot of, on your website, I guess the, the bugs that you sell or uh, have access to, people are eating them, a beetle that looks like a beetle. Are there other ways to eat them or is that the best way to eat a bug? Is Yeah. Well, well, how do we eat them? A lot of people say, well, I've tried a cricket before. I've tried a grasshopper. And I like to say that, you know, when you do that, it's kind of like somebody handing you a lettuce leaf and saying, hey, what do you think about vegetables? <laughs> There's around 2,000 2, insects that we consider food, and they all taste different. Basically, there's two ways. One is people do like the whole bugs, partially because it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, black ants right now are number one for chefs. Chefs love the black ants because they don't immediately look like the insects, but if you look close enough, you can tell they have mm-hmm. a powerful citrus taste. I mean, two or three mm-hmm. black ants. Wow. And, yeah, they, they taste really strong, so they switch them out for lemon and lime. But yeah, and, and then, of course, so, so that's one way. They, they usually generally sprinkle those on top of salads or on top of salmon. They taste great. Mm-hmm. Also, there's like, for example, chapolinas are grasshoppers from Mexico. One of the things that they joke about is that we go down to Mexico and we're sitting in a bar, having our beard, eating our spicy nuts, and someone goes, mm-hmm. you know, those aren't nuts. They're grasshoppers. And I go, oh, oh, they, no, have, they have wings yeah. and legs. Yeah, now they, <laughs> now they won't touch them. Well, well, with grasshoppers and crickets and things, we take the legs and wings off. We clean them. So you just mm-hmm. get the little bodies. That's why they sometimes look like nuts. And they're mm-hmm. spiced, not exactly, sometimes spicy, but not always. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are pretty common. But the easiest way, of course, is the powders. And okay. you can get, you put them in the smoothie, as you said. And Yeah. yeah. Our, our cricket powder, we have a defatted cricket powder, which is 70%, 70 to 75% protein. And again, that's super popular with bodybuilders, very popular with athletes. Mm-hmm. And it's just super easy to use, you know. So if you have 10 grams of cricket powder, you're getting seven grams of protein. And it's real animal protein, all essential uh-huh. amino acids, very bioavailable. So th- that's like the most popular item is the cricket powder for people that continue to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, scorpions, they... They taste okay. I like them cooked. I don't like them raw, but they're a little more of a novelty. Scorpions and tarantulas. People uh-huh. aren't, bu- aren't buying those for their health benefits. We sell it. W- one month, we sold over 20,000. Most of them went to Las Vegas. <laughs> Las Vegas? Yeah. Why is that? I'm not making the connection. Yeah. Add a scorpion to your shop for five bucks. So uh-huh. they buy the scorpions from us for 80 uh-huh. cents and they're charging the customers five bucks. But they joke that anytime you have two or more college kids and they see the mm-hmm. little sign that says add a scorpion for five bucks, you know, first person will say, I dare you. Second person, I'll dare you. And pretty soon they're going to, everybody's going to get a scorpion and give it a shot. 
<laughs> and I think of most guess scorpions aren't that large. They just eat it whole, like hold the tail and let her rip. Yeah, the, the, we have Manchurian scorpions are about the size of your thumb, maybe a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're easy, but you can eat them whole. I mean, you know, like I say, stinger and all. Uh, do you eat them crunchy, kind of, or do you, uh, are they, how do you cook a lot of these bugs? I mean, besides grounding them up and putting, which would, I could see how that would be an easy way to start. Maybe start with a sprinkle, get over those. You said the first bug is the toughest. Yeah. But how were some of these cooked? Sauteed, crispy? Yeah. A lot, a lot of times they're sauteed and stuff. Like I said, the, the raw scorpions, I'm not thrilled with the taste. And people say, you know, what do they taste like? It's like, how do you explain it? Because it's a taste I've never tasted before. Tastes like chicken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Isn't yeah. that the usual line? Yeah. When scorpions are cooked, they do taste kind of nutty. And I like them cooked, but I don't like them raw. Tarantulas, surprisingly, the legs really do kind of taste like uh, crab. But, you know, the the thorax and abdomen, I I just taste terrible in my mind. The worst bug I've ever eaten, there's two things. One, the worst bug I've ever eaten is a centipede. It, it left a taste in my mouth, kind of like when you suck up gasoline and you just can't get yeah. rid of that taste. Okay, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was awful. But they, but generally in Asia, they only use little bits of it, and that's mm-hmm. only for spicing up food. The craziest bug I've ever eaten is the murder hornet. Murder and, hornet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In, in Japan, it, hornet, hornet larvae are a um, delicacy, so we got sukadani hornets from Japan, and. Mm-hmm. The Sukadani flavor was good, but the Hornet didn't have a lot of taste. Mm-hmm. I've also had them dry and they're like popcorn. You know, you, okay. you want butter, you want butter or something <laughs> added to them, but there wasn't much taste. So they usually take the wings and legs off because I would yeah. think that would feel a little funny going down your throat. Yeah. You know? It's more of a texture thing, I think, probably the taste. Right. For right. people. Another thing about crickets is they're mild. They have a mild umami taste, so when you add them to mm-hmm. things, it just gives it a slightly earthy flavor, but there's no bug flavor. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you can't even tell there's you know bugs in the dish. Well, that raises a question. You talk about the chefs and certain ones that they like. First off, other besides, I think you mentioned ants for their citrus taste, and of course, and then sort of crickets. Are there other bugs that they really like, and do they disclose that to people? You know, FYI, yeah. we got the grand dance on your ice cream topping there. Yeah, again, the chapelinas from Mexico are really popular. In the, and interestingly enough, most of the restaurants that buy from us are the high-end restaurants. A Linger wow. in Denver is one that uses the Black Hands. Save on Santa Fe uh, uses chapelinas. Uh-huh. But the chapelinas will be added to tacos and burritos and things like that. So again, mm-hmm. because the legs and wings are taken off, you don't really notice them right away. You don't look and say, oh, look at that. It's, you know, it's a bug that's in there because it's mixed in. Mm-hmm. But, they, you know, chapelinas taste great. I mean, they're, they're just as good as many other foods that you've had. And when mm-hmm. you add them to these different dishes, and, and again, we believe chefs are the answer. Because if it doesn't taste good, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. And so there's these really different tastes, tastes you've never tasted before. And, People will say, you know, what is that taste? I can't place it. They're like, well, it's a grasshopper. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So that, I guess that part of answers that the second question, they wouldn't necessarily say anything. And one last question on the, the bug eating aspect. Are there people that might be allergic? I mean, they have to tell people about nuts and various 
things, but are generally, are there allergies in some of these things? Well, we, we, we tell everybody that if you're allergic to shellfish, you may be allergic to insects because it's the same thing. The exoskeleton is tightened, and that's usually what people might be allergic to. That's also mm-hmm. the prebiotic fiber. Okay. So, but in the entire time we've done this, we've only had one or two people that have had very, very mild reactions. So nothing terrible that we've seen so far, but, but that is the thing that's that, you know, if you're allergic to shellfish, be very careful. Okay. But if you're allergic to bee stings, for instance, eating the bee, there's no issue there. The poison goes inert after an hour after it dies. Okay. Just taking a short break now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's talk about, shift a little bit to your company, Entosense. How did it start? I think that's kind of an interesting story. It sounds like it started about the same time as the UN report. And then what do you do? What's, what's your mission and what does the company actually do? Yeah, well, my, my son actually got this all started and um, he had, had seen the report. He asked, you know, why don't we eat insects? And I gave him what he called the dad answer. <laughs> so he, he kept... <laughs> Kept looking into it and coming back and talking to us about it. And then back then, my, my daughter, my younger daughter, um, started taking insects to school and got actually a very positive response. And we, we kind of joked that from like 30 and above, maybe 50% of the people will even try it. And, you know, 30 down to 16 to 18 or whatever, you get up to 60 or 70%. When we go to schools, especially elementary schools and junior high schools, it's 50% of the kids will try it right away. And the other 50% will try it by the end. Once they see their friends eating it, they'll eat it. And many times, every kid in the class will have tried it. And very few people try them and say, I hate them. I mean, you know, especially crickets and mealworms, which are mild flavors. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he started talking about it. My daughter started taking it to school. So almost more as an experiment to show them about putting up a website, an informational website. and. Mm-hmm. you know, getting it out there. We built that. People started saying, where can we get it? So we started buying some bugs from, from Thailand and from Vietnam and areas like that and putting them online. And it just kind of took off. And my sister was working for Condi Nast at the time. And she quit her job. Prior to this, I was in the screen printing business. <laughs> and, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so we started semi-part-time, but it grew very quickly. And now we have, depending on how many orders we have, anywhere from six to ten employees. We're in a we're in a ten thousand square foot space. We're only using five thousand of it right now, five or six thousand. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're in over five hundred stores and more. I mean, we're all the time. We're at lots of uh, museums and zoos and parks, things like that. But also mm-hmm. cost plus world markets. Really, I was just in yeah. one the other day. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I know there's a food section. I guess I didn't go there that day. <laughs> so, well, it sounds like the younger generation is going to be the ones that are going to shift. So going forward, this is going to be a movement 
again, for the environmental, for the health reasons, and the younger folks are going to probably be the ones leading the way. Us older folks are going to going to be somewhat resistant. On your website, it looks like there's a bunch of, is it different, I would say not different companies, but different products that they sell, or is that is that how it's set up? Yeah, we, we produce a lot of products, mini kickers, which are about 100 crickets in a tube. We have 10 different flavors. That's our number one line. And that one is geared more towards the people that are looking for, for tasting it and you know health mm-hmm. reasons. Then we have little bugs, which is four different insects. There's crickets, mealworms, ants, and a scorpion. And mm-hmm. that's a little more novelty, but you know, mini kickers is our number one line. The scorpion and little bugs is our number one product. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. Then we have everything from pizza super worms to the you know black ants in a culinary jar, mm-hmm. all sorts of things like that. We have Mopani worms from Mopani Queens. We have other companies products that are on our site as well and we're trying to expand upon that we basically run on cash we've been growing on cash flow so it all depends how many different company products we have on there kind of depends on the season and Uh and some of our other bugs are seasonal for example chapolinos you know we have them right now but Mm -hmm. when we run out it's going to be a couple months before we can get them again because Mm -hmm. of the season but but you're also growing them or are you just bringing them in from other places? Now we're just bringing them in. We started growing them. We're, we're growing crickets and mealworms and that was a lot of fun, but we, we would have had to gone one direction or the other. And mm-hmm. since um, I kind of really enjoy dealing with the people overseas and all these connections that we're getting, we're, we're going to be going over to Thailand mm-hmm. in about six months. When we lived in New Mexico, we used to drive into Mexico all the time and you know, so I really enjoy that side of it. And that's one reason why we decided to go instead of farming towards the just standard business side of it. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of more of a distribution sort of angle, that, that aspect of this. We may in the future get back into it for insects that are harder for us to get. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of, and we promote this all the time, there's a lot of cricket farms and, and mealworm farms and stuff starting up right now, a lot of smaller ones. Probably at this point, one in almost every state and people are growing them in their garage or growing them in their basement and going to farmer's markets and selling them in local stores and doing pretty well. You know, there's one woman that does the Wisconsin State Fair and she goes through thousands and thousands of packages. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that would be a a way for kind of an entrepreneur to sort of get their toe in the market. So. Can a regular person just go to your website and get a sample pack or are you mostly wholesale or how do you do that? No, actually, that was one of the wild things is that, you know, even in 2014, 2015, I guess it was, we we incorporated in 2015 and it was still early enough that we got edibleinsects.com. Wow. And you were in early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We couldn't believe it because even at that time, it seemed like almost every domain was taken. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were expecting to, you know, $10,000, $20,000 or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. we got edibleinsects.com. And that's the website that we have all our products on. And okay. that's open to the general public. Most of our wholesale sales are done, you know, direct with the companies. We spend okay. a lot of time sending out samples and, and that sort of thing. So EntoSense is not the website that folks should go to at this point? It should, they should go to edibleinsects.com? 
that's the retail website. Entosense okay. is the corporate website. Got but it. the other thing okay. is on edibleentosense.com, of course, edibleinsects.com, and the right-hand side, there's a column with all sorts of educational information. Mm-hmm. You get the nutritional information, you know, all, all sorts of other, you know, there's about 20 different articles. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I am going to put uh, on the Help Me to Understand website, we'll put links to, I guess, probably more in, edibleinsect.com if somebody wants to go wholesale. They'll find you probably through there. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like us to know at this point that we, we didn't cover? I have to say, certainly with the smoothie concept, I think I could certainly, that would be a good way to kind of get some of the benefits without having to um, at least initially see it as a bug, you know? Yeah. One of the angles, you know, when we talk about nutrition and, you know, more calcium than milk, more iron than spinach, antioxidants, it's like five times antioxidants of orange juice. So I I think it's what's missing in our diets in a sense, because it has been part of our ancient food chain and we cut it out at some point. And so I tend to think that it's healthy for everybody. I mean, we say our mission is to make edible insects a part of the North American diet. Mm-hmm. And that's because of two, two reasons. One is, you know, here in Maine, even in the north, in northern part of Maine, there's food security problems. And th- this comes down to one of the other reasons why we went directly towards this is that by the time my kids are my age, there's going to be half again as many people in the world. And food or meat production is going to have to double or triple. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we found is even, even one of the, believe it or not, there's a lot of women farmers. In fact, I think there's more women growing insects than there are men. Why do you think, just quickly, why do you think that is? That's kind of an interesting, because you, you, you think of beef, you know, ranchers and all men. Right, right. But I was talking to the one of the women in Thailand. She's got one of the larger cricket farms. And I was talking about, you know, here in the States, and she said, you really need to push it there because the whole world watches what's going on in America. And even though her kids mm-hmm. grow up on a cricket farm, they want to eat beef. When they go out and they want to, you know, they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they want to get steak. And mm-hmm. it's because that's what we do. So she kept telling us, you know, put it on social media, push it, try and get okay. it going because the younger generation is moving away when they should be moving towards their traditional foods. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, low cost is what I was going to say earlier is you can grow it for almost no cost because especially like crickets, if, if you don't have enough leftovers, they'll eat almost anything. But if you don't have enough leftovers from dinner or whatever, you can go out and pull weeds and they'll eat weeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's inexpensive. It's accessible to almost anybody. So that's kind it's of our thing. Yeah, it's like a win, 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 win. Yeah. From basically, are there any downside and i first i was thinking when i was raising my two sons making sure they got enough protein and calcium and the different vitamins that you said i'm sure i could have put a ground up you know a little bit of beetle in their uh in their food and they certainly wouldn't have wouldn't have noticed oh yeah i mean first of all a lot of times they talk about cricket powder as cricket flour and that's misnomer <laughs> because it's actually cricket powder and if you're going to bake with it it should be four to one you know, baking powder to cricket. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, now you have protein and you have B12 and, and mm-hmm. prebiotic fiber and all of that in a cookie or in a cake or in a muffin. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, one of the other 
health benefits is the prebiotic fiber. We have a hard time getting that mushrooms and, a, and shellfish, you know, again, mm-hmm. we don't eat often sometimes the tail of a, a shrimp or whatever, but most mm-hmm. of the time we discard that and that's the chitin and that's prebiotic fiber. Everybody's talking about probiotics and they keep adding probiotics, but it's like if you have t- prebiotics are nutrition for probiotics. So if you have 10 chickens and you're feeding a max amount and then you decide, I'm going to add 10 more chickens and you don't increase the feed, you're going to go back to 10 chickens or less. <laughs> right. Okay. If you want to increase the probiotics, mm-hmm. then add the prebiotics as well. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting Again, to come around. You know. Cricket powder and, and baking f- flour, and you can add it to almost anything. Or again, just put them in your shakes and it just uh-huh. gives it a little bit of an earthy flavor. And once you get used to it, you like it. I mean, you know, sometimes it seems a little bit odd initially, but mm-hmm. I've had silkworm pupae soup. I've had all sorts of things that I would never have even thought of before. Now, when I taste them, it's like, wow, that's great. I mean, it's, you know, and I think most people would think it's great if they didn't know what they were eating. Yes. I was thinking that that would be certainly a way to, to kind of move them into for your family. We call it an unwarranted cultural fear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where did that fear come from? You know, I'm just kind of now that I know that's sort of out of, out of sync here, but do you know where that came from? Well, it's a little bit of a racist story. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, maybe you don't have to go there. That's fine. That's fine. When the Europeans came over, they said that the natives ate six-legged animals is one way of putting them down. Okay. And so we've stuck with that is that, oh, you know, only poor people eat insects and, you know, only survival because we're better than that. But it isn't being better. You're pushing away a whole new food group or a whole mm-hmm. ancient food group, I should say. Yeah, I'm sure we could have a whole conversation on the whole, as you said, the racial, everybody trying to be in the, you know, in a class that does not eat bugs. But that's for another discussion. Just one more question. And I suspect it's, I know the answer. On edibleinsects.com, you'd have recipes and all these ideas about how to incorporate them into diets. We don't have as many recipes as, as we'd like to, but we do have all the other information. Like I said, it's like 20 articles and mm-hmm. talks about it. Um, if you search edible insect recipes, there's a ton of stuff online. Okay. Joseph Yoon is a chef. His site's brooklynbugs.com. Not only does he have some great recipes, but he's beautiful pictures of some of the food he's, he's created. Okay. I think I may start with the powder, but... Anyway, it's something to, something to work for because there's just so many. I can't think of any reasons not to eat them. Once you get yeah. over, as you said, that initial issue with, you know, again, our just our culture. Right. Environmentally, health-wise, price-wise. just Sustainable. Yep. Humane. Yeah. Okay. Well, as I said, I will put, for my listeners, I will put links to edibleindex.com. Other than that, is there a better additional way to reach you? Or is that the best way through the website that they have additional questions? Yeah, that's pretty much the best way. And and again, like I said, the educational section will answer a lot of your questions. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks very much, Bill, for your time. This has been fascinating. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. This has been great. That's it for this episode of Help Me to Understand. If you like what you've heard, please go to our website, helpme2understand.com to listen to more great episodes. 
or better yet, subscribe to receive new episodes as they are released. I'm so glad you can join me. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.